Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast. And today on the podcast, we're talking about the gaming and technology sector. And we're joined by Mark Siegel, who is CEO of Gaming Realms. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we're big. We're actually big fans of the company here. Um, we we tipped it back in January. We th- felt it had some really good growth prospects. Um, this morning, I ran it through our our AI engine, which the guys at um, Bridgewise have kindly built for us, and that's also keen on the company. Has it as a as a buy. Um, I guess very quickly from our perspective, um, it would be good if you give us a quick overview of Gaming Realms and and what it does so listeners can be familiar with it. Yeah, so Gaming Realms is a developer and licensor of uh, casino games, essentially, for the regulated international iGaming market, which is the online casino market, and also social casinos. Um, We are the owner of the Slingo IP, which the name comes from a mixture of slot and bingo, essentially which uh, was invented in the US approximately 30 years ago and is actually a very important brand in itself on in the iGaming market, as well as in the lottery market in the US, you can buy physical scratch cards for lotteries with Slingo branded all over it in over 40 states. Um, and we also publish our games in the social space. It's like a freemium model as well to monetize there and it is it is a massive area this i mean i'm not actually myself someone who's a an online um gamer and it's one of those things either you are or you aren't um i think people who are probably already very familiar with slingo um i remember as a kid slot machines in pubs and things like that um, is this really the, the the successor to the slot machine in that it's much more widely available and, and people can access it from effectively from anywhere? Yeah, so online casinos for sure, there is there is more access to these games. Um, and there are online slots, which are very, very popular. Our game is slightly different. It's a bit more of an experience. It's not a three second game it can take a minute or a minute and a half to play so it plays a little bit more like bingo where you're marking off numbers but it does have this single player element which makes it really engaging for players as well and if you go to a lot of the online casino sites or online bingo sites in the UK you'll actually see that Slingo is a category of game now and because of that we're able to license in really like you would see probably if you were in the pubs and things, you know, we have a Slingo deal or no deal game. And we also license other casino games into our Slingo mechanic as well, which again, just helps with the cross sell of players to Slingo or helps enhance the players' experiences on the sites. And and you you actually own the, the IP for this. How easy is that IP to defend? I mean, is it something that you have to actively work to protect we are so the brand itself very very easy you know and and that is synonymous with the mechanic so a mechanic similar doesn't penetrate like slingo wood it's all part of the same thing um to the point where we have studios i mean so-called competitor studios who are also building these games 
they are licensing their brand IP to us for us to develop it into a Slingo game where we fully own that game apart from their brand. Um, and they're doing that because they're not trying to copy or do it the other way around. It's a certain, there's also a high barrier to building games like ours. They're different to other games. There's So for someone else, it's R&D and I get it, the maths and the mechanics and how it's developed, they would have to learn. And it's not, core to what they do and the only people who've ever done it have been us so you know we brought it into this space essentially so i i think really just the brand alone sort of stands stands it out which is why we get people licensing the brand i mean there's a there's an operator in europe who's licensed slinger.com domain offers now they fully operate that site but they want it because it's helping them acquire players it's got brand sort of recognition from players as well. So it has the trust element to it, etc. We don't operate that at all. And it just sort of shows where the brand stands. Is it, is it from a sort of operational perspective, is this very similar to running a, say, a video games developer? Are many of the concerns and challenges the same? And how is it, how is it different from something like that? I think it's, I think it's different in the sense that we, what we're doing is we're developing these games. We have a suite of over 60 games in our portfolio, and we're trying to build 10 to 12 new innovative versions of it every year. We license these on a non-exclusive basis worldwide. So a bit like a video game, once we built it once, it can go on lots of different platforms and lots of different markets. And actually, as a result of that, what's really exciting for us is US market is our biggest market now, which is sort of a very rapidly growing market. I think the difference is, though, the operators, so think of big UK operators, it could be Gala Bingo or Bet365 or whoever we see advertising, they are advertising attracting all the players. We don't advertise the games ourselves. We work very closely with the operators to make sure that we have games which are marketable. And there are a lot of operators now see Slingo as a good acquisition channel and actually will put our games on their TV adverts or their Facebook adverts or wherever they advertise, essentially. So I think that's the difference. And also, it takes nine months to build a game versus a video games could take a very long time. And we can go cross-platform. Yeah, exactly. And presumably, the budgets are not the same. Like a landmark video game, you know, big blockbuster one is, is going to cost a hell of a lot more yeah they're in the tens of millions exactly ours are a, a lot a uh, lot smaller budgets now i mean one of the things we liked about the company um is that element you've mentioned already which is the opening up of the u.s market uh which we think is potentially huge and could really benefit you as a company can you tell us a little bit more about that because Traditionally, online gaming was really restricted in the U.S. And, and is still restricted in some parts of the U.S. And yes, OK, you can argue that that's that's where Las Vegas is. But but Las Vegas was 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 actually a small island in the middle of a large country where there wasn't actually much gaming going on. But it seems now that that things are changing in the U.S. and that's creating a huge opportunity for you. Yeah, that's right. There's over the last six, seven years that started to allow online gaming and online sports betting in the US. Um, 
but it's it's a little lopsided. So very quickly over the last few years, it's grown from say two to 37 states have allowed online sports betting. There are still only six which allow iGaming or online casinos essentially. And of those, in those states, the biggest are New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania, which we are live in. Connecticut's the fourth biggest. It's a bit of a drop for Connecticut, but still a really nice market for us, which we're in. And the final two of West Virginia is too small, really. And Nevada doesn't allow casino. It's only poker. But for Michigan, Pennsylvania and New Jersey, the online casino market's a much bigger market than the online sports. So there is no... It has the legislation is essentially a state by state legislation. Bills get passed in each state. It's not a federal uh, process, which is slowing it down, I think. But I think the fact that so many have done online sports betting that we will grow now to hopefully they will start to look at online casino bills. Essentially, there are, I have to be honest, there's no new ones currently in process, but there are a few states talking about it. Uh, we are very well placed now, though, our operations that if a new market launches, we can launch there quite quickly. There is a high barrier to entry for it, uh, but we we know what we're doing now. We've done it four times there. We've done it in Ontario, which is a big province of Canada, which we think is going to be similar size to the big markets in in the US. Um, probably just to, to, to give you some very quick numbers in these states um they've not all been live the whole time but sort of the iGaming market in 2019 in the US was half a billion and in 2019 and 2022 was 5 billion and that says Michigan Pennsylvania New Jersey have grown um as or launched in that period um etc so it's a very fast growing market and that's these four markets we're expected to continue to grow through to 20, you know, well into the distance and new states on top will expedite that for sure. Well, what sort of, in terms of your overall revenues, how, how important is the US to the company at the moment? The US is over 50% of our group revenues. Um, probably in the content licensing, it's, it's slightly low, slightly below 50%, but still our biggest market. So it's very important. We, because we've been one of the first content suppliers in, in the market in New Jersey, it's getting a bit sort of detailed here. We have direct integrations with the biggest operators there, which have the, you know, 80, 90% of the market. We're live with almost everybody anyway. But what that means is as a new market opens, we already have our games plugged into the platform. Uh, we have multi-state deals with all of these operators as well. So we are able to quite quickly move with them into new markets as they open. And actually, just to show some strength there, we have our own platform which hosts all our games. And there's big numbers which go through it. Last year, there was over £4 billion bet on our games. Operators made over a quarter of a billion pounds from our games. You know, there's, you know this is worldwide. So there's big numbers which go through. And so we've had a, some studios in Europe say, well, we want to serve the US market. We don't have a means to do it. Can we put our games on your platform to for you to take them through? And so we're starting to see some interest on that side as well. And that 
these will be games which complement our current offering. And obviously, it's not just the US you're expanding in. I mean, you've obviously you continue to announce deals. Um, I see you've had uh, Casino Grand Madrid in Spain, Bet Flag in Italy, uh, Fair Play in the Netherlands. Um, is that are you seeing like a global trend for this as well? You're picking up lots of new partners. We've been growing, yeah, everywhere. I would say our growth in Europe is really impressive. It starts on bigger numbers, but it was still over twenty five percent year-on-year growth, well, outside the US, should I say, um, in these regulated markets. So we're still seeing some really nice growth there. Um, We have big partners to onboard almost everywhere. We've got games. Again, the the other thing I should add is once we go live, all the games need to be certified for the regulations in each market, and that takes a rollout time. So once, once we go live with the set of operators, we still grow with those operators in over the next couple of years and then maintain, you know, there's each new game helps grow with operators. So it's hopefully each year as we, as we add games and add operators, we start to see a layering on top of our revenues. And one of the key things I wanted to ask you about was the, um, the way this sector and particularly a company like yourself behaves during periods of economic stress. So, I remember in previous recessions as well, companies in the gaming sector, surprisingly for the layman, seem to always continue to do quite well. And when we were looking at the company initially, um, again, using our our own sort of proprietary internal systems, uh, we our, our AI scored it 90 out of 100 on cash flow and 84 out of 100 on income statement. So it looks like you are quite a quite a cash-rich business. And despite, or maybe because of the pandemic and the lockdowns and and, and even during um, a period of some global economic contraction, um, Gaming Realm seems to to continue to do really well. What, how, what would you attribute that to? Why is it that, that, that companies in this sector and a stock like yourself seem to be able to actually perform incredibly well? I think when we only work with regulated sort of responsible operators, and I think when it's done well, it should be a good form of entertainment um, and should be controlled. And I think we it's the sector in, I know entertainment's often hit, but I think just the, it probably is replacing going out for, for meals or the cinema and things like that it's probably just a little bit more resilient it's something you can consume at home like for example the streaming services and, and things like that and particularly on the sports side as well you've got the fact that sports still is ongoing and it enhances some people's enjoyment of sport and I, th- I think that's maybe why as a bit more macro they are growing markets in some cases anyway as as people are finding it for the first time. Um, for us, particularly in our business model, I suppose you touched on a slightly different thing just outside of economic factors is we've hit our, we are, we're at a point in time where we have nice operational leverage in our business. So as we're growing our revenue, it's actually at higher margins now because our costs are not increasing with revenue. And I think that's a lot to do with just the business model in general for 
well, some tech companies are like this anyway, but also in general for this industry, you can, once you get certain scale in the business, that can grow because essentially we have a platform which is very scalable and it doesn't need to be scalable with additional manpower, et cetera. Um, and you're, you're someone who has been in the gaming market for quite some time. Um, uh, you were a finance director of Cashcade uh, before it was acquired by Party Gaming. Um, and you've been with Gaming Realm since 2013 and you were with Bwin.Party as well. From your perspective as someone who's been in the industry for a while, what do you see as the main kind of catalysts and changes that, that are powering at the moment that investors need to take into consideration? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, be, so when I started, just a little history, Cashcade was a company which owned a, and well, essentially developed a bingo brand called Foxy Bingo, which was the biggest online bingo brand at the time, which we sold to Party Gaming. And we worked through the integration of that before essentially a lot of the same team founded gaming realms and at that point it was very much the catalyst was about moving from our desktop computers through to mobile and offering essentially a bingo product which could work at you know be appealing for someone sitting on a mobile playing and as that's why we acquired slingo and where slingo came from it wasn't in online gaming in those days there is definitely innovation in the type of content which players need they have already a lots of variety but um i think innovation to have games which have a little bit more interaction with them which our games are providing um i just yeah i think i think that's the biggest thing it's actually this this move to mobile and then it is the regulation of markets so when the netherlands regulated for example we could go into that as in as a licensed operator the same in the u.s markets as well uh, i think they are the big things for us it's it's regulation has actually been helping us uh, launch in new markets um so when when you say that when re- you say regulation helps you launch in new markets basically is that where a market might for instance say the that previously they've just tried to control gaming in casinos and theoretically speaking you're not meant to be gaming online but obviously everyone is to a point where they go actually no you can now game online or or with with um, apps on your phone but now the companies that are providing that service in our market have to be properly regulated yeah that's essentially what's what's happening and we've we've chosen to delay entering some of those markets when we know that regulation's about to happen because we want to work with responsible partners essentially um and, and if it's if the market's you know properly regulated then these operators get the chance to sort of grow quickly and we can be a part of it and we haven't mentioned asia um yet on the podcast how how important is asia as a region for gaming realms for us we again it comes back to the regulated markets it's you know it's I know we see a lot of advertising from a lot of companies in regions like China, for example, and stuff, but it's not legal there. So we don't participate in that market. Right. So, but I guess if China were ever to uh, to say we're going to regulate online gaming in China, that's going to be really, that's the holy grail there. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, again, it's 
it's not as simple as saying, great, we'll just serve our games. We'll do a localization and we'll invest because we want to do things properly for markets. Uh, but yes, def- definitely. It'd be a huge market, I'm sure. You also uh, recently announced that you had secured uh, brand licensing agreements for uh, Tetris and Taito's Space Invaders. Yes. Um, can you explain a little bit about how that works? So well, we have it with, with a number of games. Like I think I said earlier where we have our Slingo mechanic and if we can find the right brands that we feel we can use within our mechanic, then they can be very important for us. So it's going to be a Slingo game. Uh, we'll have Tetris branding and elements in there. And it's a difficult, it won't be the skill-based uh, game because it's different, but it, we're hoping that, and the same with Space Invaders actually, that there'll be a nice sort of well probably for us our, our sort of demographic you know I, I grew up on those games and they're great they're great games uh the video games they should fit nicely with the games we want to develop and we think it's something that our partners can use to market slingo and attract players to their own casinos as well they should be really neat games big big brands and you also um, have um, a new aggregation partner in the form of Every Matrix, um, which is going to help you launch into the MGA markets. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we we host all our games uh, on our own platform. Um, essentially, when you go live with new partners, there's a technical integration of the wallet. I mean, we're getting very detailed here, uh, which we do. But also we sometimes plug into these aggregator platforms and distribution partners because they may have 30 partners there plugged into already. So every matrix is one of a few we work with um, and it hopefully will help um, improve our distribution, essentially, of our games. It's, it's essentially one bit of work which may get us into 10 or 15 partners. And yes, there's a middleman fee in the middle of it, but it, it's worth it to launch more quickly. And and just finally, I wanted to also ask you about what your plans are for the next twelve months, and and anything investors and potential investors can can look forward to. I know I know you can't give us too much information, but no, but I mean it's sort of look. We've started this year with growth, which is you know our revenue in January February this year is over fifty percent more than it was in the first few months of last year. We've we've been growing organically, and hopefully we'll continue to be doing that into this year. With games like Slinger Space Invaders or Slinger Tetris, we've got some really exciting content to market. Uh, we've got new operators going live. Hopefully new markets will be entering and growth from markets like Connecticut we went into last year will grow into this year. So I think when I say more of the same, it's it's more of the good stuff we've been doing, yeah. essentially. You know, I, I think we're in a really nice place and it's nice to be able to grow organically to be generating cash you know it's 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 a tough market at the moment so it's we're very nicely placed we're debt free now and so it's really nice position to be in and then maybe we'll assess a bit later on how we invest for further growth on top of all you know going off in whichever direction after that well brilliant well thank you very much indeed for coming on the podcast and and talking a little bit more about the company today and um uh, yeah, good luck with the year ahead, and uh, we'll be keeping uh, close tabs on the company as it goes forwards. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks, really. I appreciate your time, and thank you very much for having me. It's been really good to tell the story. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.